Thank you for tuning in to season two of the New Vision podcast. Of course, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter as well. And we would love to hear feedback from you on any of our shows using the Anchor voice messages feature. Um, If you can make it around a minute, that would be fantastic. And we would love to feature it on the show as well. Um, So I'm looking forward to really getting stuck into season two after a nice welcome break. And I'm definitely looking to get into it. Now, many of you may not know, but I would have done a secondment for six months in 2019 in Guernsey. And I'm very pleased indeed to be joined by Sasha Kasenswa Miller, who is People's Deputy for Economic Development Lead for Digital Skills and Entrepreneurship in Guernsey, for the States in Guernsey. And she's also run a podcast for, I believe it'll be coming up on a year anniversary next month. Um, its podcast is called Firestarter, and you can definitely go check that out. And it's to do with helping island communities advance with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which as an island nation in Barbados and the, the rest of the Caribbean is definitely of real firm relevance to us. So I'm really happy to have you on this podcast. Sasha, how, how are you keeping over in Guernsey? I know it's a, still a lockdown, I think, but you're relaxing things at the moment. Well, thank you so much for inviting me, Josiah. It's a, it's a real pleasure, and and I had no idea you were you were almost uh, uh, going to be you know working in Guernsey. I hope I hope you do get a chance uh, in the future. It's a fabulous, fabulous island. A bit colder than Barbados, I must say, especially this time yeah, of the well, year. Well, it, well, 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 it was a secondment. It so it was never supposed to be a thing. I was just supposed to do some training and and get uh, a feel for the actual market and the island and stuff like that. So. Um, it was never supposed to be, um, you know, five-year stint or anything like that. But I enjoy my time tremendously, especially going on home and hiking around the island and meditating and so on. So that, that was terrific. And I don't know, I'd advise anyone that probably has never even heard of Guernsey, as I hadn't 10 years ago. Don't go and do a Google search or, or something like that. Look on Instagram, you can see it has some really amazing vistas and scenery. But um, thank you very much for coming on to the show, Sasha. It's it's a real pleasure. I look forward uh, to the uh, discussion. I think there's so much small um, island communities can share. So I think it's it's great that you're running this podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And uh, obviously for, for islands around the world, um, whether it's in the Pacific, whether it's in the Atlantic, whether it's off the coast of Europe, um, we, we do have some commonalities. Obviously, there'll be differences. As I was mentioning to you in our test run yesterday, um, your economy is mainly based around financial services. Well, ours, and speaking of Barbados, not every single Caribbean island has the same mix, but ours is largely based on tourism. So therefore, obviously, with a pandemic and COVID and the travel restrictions and so on, it's really had a terrible economic impact. So the things we can do in terms of investment and in terms of what we can actually do tangibly to address the SDGs or might be a bit different. But I, I do think there's a lot of commonalities, I'm sure, that we can have best practices for, basically. Yeah, absolutely. I think you make an interesting uh, observation in terms of, the, depending on the structure of, of the island's economies, you, you you know, the islands will be differently affected in different crises. So 
you know, if you look at the financial crisis of 2008 and nine, um, the, the Channel Islands like Guernsey, Jersey, uh, were much more seriously affected. Um, uh, at the moment, uh, it, it's much less so because finance is the more, as, as we, we talk, the more predominant industry with mm-hmm. about 40 uh, plus percent of the GDP. So we're certainly feeling, I think, less of the effects than many of the other island nations dependent on tourism. But, you know, the crisis change uh, and and I think what we really all need to look into is how can island communities become more resilient and what does resilience mean in that small island context? Definitely couldn't agree with you more. And I think it was something I, I raised yesterday, but, but um, in terms of the tourism product globally going forward, if, if we're going to really be able to address the, the climate aspect of it, Obviously, the SDGs are, are varied in, in scope, but if you're going to address the, the climate change aspect of it, tourism cannot go back to normal in terms of being on planes that are not very efficient. I know, know that's been addressed to some extent, but being on hotels or in resorts that have no semblance of using renewable energy or, or, or trying to be as uh, green and carbon neutral as possible, that, that can't go back to how it was, I would say, if we're going to address that. It may be some governments place higher emphasis on economic growth and and getting back to having low unemployment rates over, you know, what is essentially a a more longer-term issue. But um, how do you you view that in in terms of, you know, how how that affects the tourism sector specifically and the travel sector um, going forward whenever... We, we see the back of COVID, quote unquote, because it probably will be in the background as a normal like um, flu or something like that. But what were your views on that? Well, it's a very difficult um, situation, isn't it? I think when economies are truly decimated and in cases of island communities where you're so reliant uh, on tourism um, and when you start um, going into extreme uh, unemployment levels that haven't been seen, you know, for probably decades and you're becoming so dependent on um, financial support from whether it's IMF or or wherever, I think, uh, you know, you it's such a difficult um, issue. How do you balance the long-term commitments and targets to sustainability to uh, immediate uh, concerns with livelihoods, uh, survival and and poverty? And I think... um, that's the balance many, many island governments are, I'm sure, battling with. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if they look into prioritizing, you know, short and medium term return back to normality. Um, but we could say it could be missed opportunity as well, um, because this is the time potentially to reset how economies uh, function Um uh, put certain uh, criteria and targets. For example, if if local co- uh, companies uh, and the tourism sector is being bailed out, perhaps a certain uh, green string, uh, you know, conditions could be imposed to them to say, listen, 
we, if we're giving you money, uh, you know, government co-funding uh, of COVID, because of COVID, well, we really want you to make sure you're becoming much more um, sustainable over the long run. Because I think the market is shifting there. So customers will be demanding uh, more of environmentally friendly um, holidays. There's likely to be a change in how people travel, certainly in the short term. Um, certainly, I think there's going to be less travel. Um, maybe um, people will consider for traveling for longer if they can as well. So I think um, the market is disrupted for the next at least three to five years. Whether it's going to return to exactly the same normal, I don't know. But do we want it to return to exactly exactly the same that's, normal? That's I the think billion that's the dollar question. question. Or the trillion dollar question. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I would hope to see some of those things you mentioned in terms of if money is going to be given or are there going to be any, you know, tax holidays or any any things like that. That in terms of assistance, that um, the, these some of these things are in terms of programs and transformation are a part of any agreement such as that. Otherwise, you, you'll just get to twenty twenty five and the tourism sector will just be pretty much the same as it was in 2019. And that wouldn't really necessarily be much good in terms of addressing those 2030 and 2050 goals that um, globally we are supposed to be committed to. Um, now, I, I obviously would have mentioned that you're, you've been people's lead, uh, people's deputy, sorry, um, for the states of Guernsey. And you've been in charge for economic development Sorry, you've been in charge for economic development uh, for digital skills and entrepreneurship. Um, so that's been for a few months now. How have you been getting on so far in, in terms of your agenda for transformation? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely early days. Um, you know, I decided to stand for election about a month before, you know, the actual election did happen. So it, it was always going to be for me coming into a very a new environment. And previously, I wasn't really involved with politics. I was always kind of uh, an entrepreneur and working in the corporate uh, sphere. Um, and so I think uh, for me, it's important to get to know uh, my work environment and understand how everything works. You know, any government is, is hugely complex. Um, I'm I'm working on two committees, the Economic Development Committee and also Development and Planning uh, Authority, which is kind of about uh, the actual physical development and rules and regulations uh, to do with that, which is very linked to economic development. And so, yeah, I think it's been quite uh, a lot about getting my head around how the states works, um, uh, the mandate of the committees, meeting lots of people, lots of induction. So it's been very exciting, a big uh, uh, learning curve. But I think I'm, I'm starting to f form some very clear, um, much more clear ideas about the direction of travel. Um, all the areas I'm leading on, uh, digital skills and entrepreneurship, will be very important um, in terms of the recovery um, plans for our government. So I'm quite excited to be kind of um, coordinating and leading on those areas. But I heard, heard you you mentioned obviously about digital skills and, and I've seen that mentioned in terms of coding is, I guess, part of digital skills, but is not the only thing involved. But I've seen that mentioned in terms of like people in different sectors that are going to be either obsolete or on the decline in America, in an American context, and, and it's always been about um, people reskilling into things. But 
from what I have seen, it's never really worked out that they've ended up being better off, generally speaking. Obviously, there'll be success stories. Um, but what what is the plan in, in terms of for not just young people having the digital skills to succeed, but for those that might be, you know, in their mid-40s, maybe 50s, in, in terms of that element. And then if maybe you have another 15, 20 years to work, you can upskill and be be current with what, what's actually happening out there in the market. Um, absolutely. So I think that is the fundamental shift that uh, that's happening in terms of previously governments thinking, well, we're just here to provide uh, a primary, secondary education for for our children. To actually mm. shifting the the focus and understanding of the importance of lifelong learning. And so what we are going to be doing for the first time is developing a, a human capital uh, strategy. Um, which will encompass uh, kind of a cradle to grave, effectively. So starting from you know from birth uh, and into primary and secondary, but then very importantly, what happens after, and that uh, importance of constantly uh, upskilling uh, and keeping an eye into the future will be very important. Uh, many of us. Um, are already, uh, you know, have changed careers maybe several times in just, uh, you know, a, a one or two decades of our careers. And I think that that trend is only likely to um, accelerate. And so um, developing that mindset and soft skills alongside uh, it to be able to change and having that desire to learn and then having the right uh, programs in place um to do so will be very important. So I think um, upskilling in in an age of such uh, change, which is only accelerating, and especially change that's underpinned by digital technologies, um, is going to be crucial. And I think um, upskilling programs and having a human capital uh, development strategy is something that you know all um, governments and small islands should be looking into, because as we talked before. Uh, that over-dependence on one industry can be quite mortal, <laughs> right? And if we are having a pandemic which will, will have a, a lasting effect for five years, you know, uh, no, no, no economy can, can just survive with, you know, with 40, 50% of its uh, GDP being decimated. So I think you, you might see accelerated changes even in Barbados and other islands to to other industries and i think uh, digital offers that opportunity so that you're not uh, so connected to your local jurisdiction and you have that ability to actually work potentially more globally definitely 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 there's been something i've i've shared with a few a few friends um i, I don't know what your thoughts are on it but given the fact that I think when it last checked, it was saying the average person that is maybe in their twenties now will work at least seven jobs in their lifetime. I, I felt like there should be support by the state in terms of like, say you get to thirty-five and you want to do a career switch because the market is no longer there for what you did or um, did before. There should be support for people that want to take, say, you know, two semesters to do a degree in whatever or a vocational course in whatever. And I, I think the where I'm coming from is that we kind of view things as you retire at 65 and that's when you get to actually take time off. But I, I think we probably should reevaluate 
um, things a little bit because if the technology and with the AI and machine learning is going to be as dynamic as it seems, it's very likely that people will need to be reskilling maybe every five years. Could be as, as, as often as that, literally. You're absolutely right. You know, when I uh, moved into digital, I was doing traditional marketing kind of in 2005, uh, six. I moved into digital. I would probably say I was one of the very early um, kind of people, certainly in my spheres and of people I knew um, after university that uh, decided to move into digital. You know, that was only uh, 15 years ago. That really is not a long time ago. Uh, and uh, you just see what happened in the last five years with the proliferation of uh, uh, renewable energies and kind of new greener economies. Uh, none of these jobs existed. And just imagine again in five years' time. So that change is absolutely constant. I think with with the uh, aging demographics and um, people expected to live to say a hundred, uh, in you know very much in our lifetime, um, that those shifts I think will be happening. I think the concept of retirement uh, will become uh, obsolete to some extent because it's just not sustainable. Um, I think instead of kind of having that very hardcore working during a limited amount of mm -hmm. decades. I think people will want to have higher quality of life, perhaps even more time off. You know, there are many discussions about people working a four-day four week instead of five-day week, uh, for example. So having um, more flexibility, more time off, but then that stretching into effectively uh, longer, um, uh, um, elder, elder mm -hmm. age effectively. Yeah, I think I think the the key really is flexibility. I think like so, if someone wants to take three years off, paid by the state of of a pension, essentially at thirty six to thirty nine, they should be able to do that and go back into the workforce. And then it would mean, I guess, that they will have to retire three years later. Technically, I think that kind of flexibility really should be how we should be looking to go down the down the line um, this decade, if if not. Um, as soon as possible, really, because I, I think we are in an era where flexibility is key, but we are still with 19th century and 20th century, 20th century rules, which I don't think really are best placed for, for where we are currently are, or even where we are going, for sure. Um, we would have raised about the, the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals um, by the UN, um, but I, wa I wanted to, to get your thoughts on how do you think that economic development can be linked to those those SDGs and also how economic growth can really play a role in our societies in transforming for the better in terms of, you know, having a, a green economy? Well, I think economic development uh, links directly to uh, United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And I think what's important is that what the UN SDGs have tried to create is to show a holistic framework of how development should be undertaken by governments. Um, and sometimes, you know, I still hear that, you know, uh, that perception that economy is something, it's quite uh, this abstract thing, and we have to focus on it because without the economy, we don't have anything else. But the economy is 
it's the people, right? It's the health. It's the uh, it's Indeed. it's it's the education. Like, it, it, are people happy to go to work? Uh, do they have employment? How do they feel being treated? So do they feel being treated equally, or do they feel being discriminated, which will prevent them potentially going to work, um, and so on? So, economy is not something that sits separately from all of those uh, development goals that UN is looking at, from inequality to uh, clean mm. air to partnerships approach um, uh, to education and so on. So to me, uh, if we as a civilization have a chance to survive, um, you know, in the next uh, decades and uh, 100 years, we have to embrace sustainable development and not just uh, economic growth uh, per se with disregarding um, the effect uh, it's having. So I think what the pandemic has done is actually clearly show that um, the way uh, economic growth has developed uh, um, after the war and especially accelerated over the last, say, two decades hasn't worked for everyone. Um, of course, we were having the climate crisis as one of the major externalities of the way effectively modern capitalism has developed. But um, there are many other issues. Uh, one of them is the extreme uh, inequality and uh, disparity between, you know, the super wealthy and uh, and the rest of the world. And all of that is exacerbating our living standards, um, uh, you know, the, the health of the foods we are eating, the access to the, the commons uh, we are having. And so it, it, it's starting to affect our rights and freedom across the whole world. And so I think what COVID has given us is an opportunity to potentially reset that thinking and that whatever has worked uh, previously is uh, you know it, it, business as usual is no longer acceptable so we have to do better i wholeheartedly uh, concur with that in terms of we definitely have to do better and i think from from what you're saying there and and how how i see it, it it's all interlinked so it's not economic development on one side sustainability on one side and and the climate on another side i think it's all interlinked but 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 something i've seen from some different types of economists is that we need to measure differently what we're really talking about economically because if all you're measuring is gdp growth and the fact that unemployment is three percent and the the fact that people are i don't know buying loads of stuff from amazon then what you will be trying to fix is not, or what you would, might think the economy is doing is not necessary reflection of reality. So I think we, we need to come up with measurements um, that might sound like, you know, what a point of measuring happiness. But I, I think if there's nothing else about economy and, and us living is to try to be happy and content and to have a, a family life and, you know, be close to other people um, around us in our community. So I'm, I don't think is we, we're just having an economy just for the sake of um, exchanging goods and services. It's all in the service of of having better lives overall. And money and finance is just one aspect of that. So I think I think you really raise um, some good points there. 
Yeah, you know, just yesterday I was listening to a webinar by our local Institute of Directors branch, and it was all about the importance of moving beyond the GDP measurements, because it's it's something as a metric that was uh, that was developed, uh, you know, the last century and suddenly became uh, the most important kind of economic <laughs> factor and policy uh, influencer, right? But actually, it was always it was never meant to be, and so what we are looking at now is the importance of measuring um, the value of of uh, well-being, of environmental health, of of health, uh, of um, uh, levels of education, of um, equality and um, inequality disparity. We have to measure all of those things. And when I was in Google, we, in marketing, you know, we were not allowed to do anything we could measure. So, because the whole point was that... Um, we wanted to scale the efforts that worked. So if we we could measure and benchmark um, how to, um, to to run campaigns in a successful way, we just wouldn't be able to scale them. So that you know that um, theory that fifty percent of marketing works, but I don't know which which fifty percent it is. <laughs> it's no longer <laughs> applicable. We cannot do that. Yeah. So I've we heard, heard that before. Start. Absolutely. So we have to start from. Uh, me- measurement and gathering data and really understanding scientifically what works and doesn't. And I think measuring uh, um, indicators which are indicative of better life and the OECD has the something called the better life indicator. It's one of the uh, spectrum of indicators, you know, governments can use, Gundy uses them, uh, but there are others being developed. There is a well-being alliance, for example, uh, and so on. I know that New Zealand, for example, has a well-being budget, which is wonderful, right? Um, and it's very much focused on really setting targets um, and outcomes and government departments are being measured about how they perform in non-GDP um, uh, indicators. Uh, and was that well-being, um, in terms of that budget, was that implemented by Jacinda Ardern or was that in, in place before her administration? I, I think that's very much one of her uh, absolutely contributions. And I think she's an example of a, of a leader who is very much um, uh, is moving her nation beyond uh, the GDP uh, concept and really embracing um, the well-being indicators um, and um, a transition to a green economy uh, alongside that. But these, these things really do matter because you, you can... You know, you can technically see GDP numbers going up by 4%. Unemployment is 5%. But then you see 42% of people don't have $500 to if they have the emergency well-being or mental wellness is poor. People are thinking about suicide. Well, then if you balance that out altogether, you would say, well, maybe the economy isn't doing that great. But if you just looked at only one metric, you might things were think things were going fantastically. So I definitely think a more holistic understanding of our economy and societies is better. Uh, it can't be worse to have more more wronged information, so to speak. Um, I want to ask, in, in terms of the, the role you see for, for small island states, um, so obviously Guernsey, there's Guernsey and Jersey off the coast of France, but islands such as Guernsey and Jersey and um, places like Barbados, Bahamas and other islands in the Caribbean, how do you see us being able to mitigate the worst effects of climate change for our various islands and also be able to 
seek to hold major international stakeholders accountable because really they are the biggest problem and the biggest part of the solution as well. So how, how would you say that should be addressed? Well, as small islands, we are huge, hugely vulnerable, uh, first of all, to any crisis and shock, and then certainly to climate change. Uh, certain islands will be more vulnerable than, uh, than others, for example. So um, climate change is happening and, and it is and will be affecting us more and more significantly. You know, in, in the Caribbean, uh, even we're all seeing uh, much more um, extreme and varied uh, weather. So, for example, you know, we've had pretty much nonstop uh, rain uh, season since about uh, October. Um, and it's never been like that. It was always much more equal. But what it also means is that we're likely to have a, a, a very dry spell, probably six months or so uh, down the line. This really affects, well, um, the water supply. It affects uh, growing um, and our local kind of agriculture and dairy industry. Um, so I think we have to be start to get prepared for the worst. Uh, and because you know we are crossing already uh, those tipping points that scientists are talking about such as um you know we're likely to never have a uh, arctic um uh, you know the ice cap arctic ice cap is not going to be growing anymore it will it will keep retreating coral bleaching in places like the great barrier reef are happening and are irreversible. And so as island communities, we cannot expect that things are going to go back to how it was 50 years ago. So we need to be, I think, thinking about resilience uh, much, much, much more seriously. And what does it look like? Well, you know, you suddenly realize uh, things you were taking for granted, such as availability of energy, mm. availability of, of water, availability of food, um, a supply chains, all of those things are becoming um, un potentially, you know, unreliable. So I think uh, island states, no matter how small they are, they need to start looking to becoming much more localized. The wonderful thing is that with um, the proliferation of renewable energy um, and the cost of technologies going down, I think um, access to local energy, whether it's from you know, typically islands will have an abundance of um, natural energy sources such as the sun, um, the wind, tide um, as well. You know, we have to start embracing that um, as well as I think more local food production. Um, that's something um, our islands had much more history in uh, being horticultural um, uh, islands with tomato industry and things like that. But we've lost that. And I think we there is a real appetite locally to start growing more. And I think that's just something we, we have to do for our resilience. Um, and also water, you know, without water, <laughs> we're, all, uh, we're all obviously dead. And so I think um, ensuring we have, um, whether it's reservoirs or desalination or whatever it could be, that's the local solution for uh, holding water reserves are going to be key. So I think we, we're going to review the essential um, goods and services that we've completely taken for granted. Uh, actually, they will come much more to the forefront, uh, even in uh, you know all of the developed nations. Um, and something we will actually co completely have to rethink.
in times of climate change and disasters like uh, hurricanes, for example. Such a wide-ranging and informative discussion with Sasha that we had to make it a two-part special to start off season two. Stay tuned for the next episode in just a couple of days. Thank you for listening to another episode of the New Vision Podcast. Of course, you can download any episode from your favorite platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many of your other favorite platforms. We really appreciate if you could leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as this allows many more people to discover the show. And we would also appreciate if you have any feedback or commentary and you'd like to even ask us a question as well. You can leave that through the Anchor voice messages feature. Alternatively, if you don't have Anchor, you can get in touch with us on Instagram or on Twitter. Until next time.